from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't make them like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got to go for each other. Yes, sir. This is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 27th. How's everybody doing over the weekend? Blood pressure. After watching the virtual draft, the Seahawks adding eight selections to their team over the three days, which, by the way, broke viewership records. You probably could have guessed that from the lack of other things on television, but wouldn't have guessed that this virtual draft, which had over 600 remote cameras involved, by the way, we'll dig into some of the figures there of who was tuned in, but Seahawks taking eight picks over those three days, making a couple of deals to do so, although it seemed like, especially in the earlier rounds, the deals we're down in number this year. Could be because of this virtual draft. Also, some undrafted free agent signings, including one big name Coog that people are familiar with in this area. We'll discuss those. Also, some roster moves over the weekend for the Seahawks. Two uh, big name guys on the offensive line are released. We'll hear from at least one of them. It's all ahead in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Seahawks had 19 offensive linemen on their roster at one point over the weekend. That was after drafting right guard Damian Lewis in the third round of this year's virtual draft. We'll dig into the entire draft class and take a look at these players in an in-depth manner going forward. But the release of two familiar O-line names wasn't altogether shocking yesterday because of that very fact. 19 offensive linemen on your roster. But doesn't mean it wasn't still a bummer to see that the Seahawks were parting ways with two locker room favorites. That would be center Justin Britt, as well as right guard DJ Fluker. The team will clear $8.5 in cap space with Justin Britt and nearly 3.7 with Fluker. So that combines for savings just just over a $12 million. They leave behind a little bit of dead money, two point nine and half a million, respectively. Britt turns 29 in May, and we'd heard his name in some discussions about potential restructuring and or release. He's coming off a torn ACL while entering the final year of his deal with an $11.4 million cap hit. That figure was scheduled to be second among NFL centers this season behind only Mitch Morse of the Buffalo Bills. The Seahawks also making a lot of signings this offseason up front, uh, including B.J. Finney to a two-year $8 million deal. Finney is a center who's also spent some time at guard. Also, we saw Joey Hunt filling in for, uh, for Britt last year when he did get injured. Versatility continues to be a trait that seems the team scout for, especially up front in the trenches. They selected right guard Damian Lewis from LSU in the third round of the NFL draft Friday night. One of many LSU players, not even the only LSU player to be selected by Seattle, but a lot of LSU players are going to teams across the league. As for Fluker, he also announced on Twitter, the Seahawks told him they're releasing him, wrote a really nice message to everyone and thanked the organization, gave a special shout out to Seahawks fans, also recorded a video for everyone. Hi to us, I'm DJ Fluker. I, just, I appreciate you all have heard the news. I want to thank John and Pete for showing me much respect during this time. I want to thank my family and my team for supporting me and best believe to us, I definitely will see you around. 
Oh, Big Fluke's the best, man. Uh, he, I said he only had love for this team, and I also thought it was pretty cool that he said no matter where he works next, he wants to stay here in the Pacific Northwest because he loves living here so much. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Fluker, one of the best free agent signings of the past couple of years, and anyone who interviewed him, talked to him, knows he's just one of the kindest people as well. So we'll, we'll definitely miss him. Justin Britt, too. Also, just the leader that he evolved into. He was a second-round pick back in 2014, played right tackle as a rookie left guard in 2015, and then really found his home at center in his third season. The Seahawks gave him a three-year, $27 million extension back in 2017. That made him the first offensive lineman that Pete and John had drafted and extended since they took over in 2010. So some, some big names that will be missed. Now, could the clearing of just over $12 million mean they have more money to offer a someone potentially a I don't know free agent defensive end that might be out there like Jadevian Clowney Carolyn Schneider were asked about the potential reunion once again this weekend when they were recapping the draft here's what John Schneider had to say about Clowney well we don't shut the door on anything really I mean that's it's uh you know we 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 we, uh basically with Clowney just I mean let's put it out there we you know he did a great job for us. He's been, you know, he was amazing this past year. Uh, we were in negotiations with his agent for a long time. And, and uh, you know, at some point you need to move on and keep conducting business. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's not uh, Jadavian's fault. It's nobody's fault, but you know, we just, you have to keep, you have to keep moving, man, you know, or, or uh, you're going to, you're going to get beat. Pete Carroll also on staying in touch with Clowney at this point. Yeah, just staying in touch with him. Uh, you know, he's 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 kind of patient with the time frames that are out there and, and and all that. But he knows he knows that the Seahawks is is a place that he had some success and that uh, he had a really good time and he contributed to our club and all that. But it's a good it's it's pretty pretty good feeling for him being out there still. So you know, Johnny will take care of it. And if there's an opportunity that makes sense, then we'll 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 dive back in and pursue it. Uh, as for the draft itself, a record 55 million viewers over three days on ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, and the digital channels combined, also ESPN Deportes, an average audience of more than 15.6 million viewers watching the first round on Thursday. That's up 37% from last year. As for rounds two and three on Friday, up 40%. And for the final rounds of the draft, 32% over last year. So a lot of people tuned in to this event. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, of course, announcing picks from his studio, uh, from studio in his basement, getting quite tired there on some nights. I don't blame you, Roger. I get pretty sleepy on Friday nights. You were up on East Coast time. So uh, it was around midnight and I just thought progressively he was getting more and more relaxed, you know, really pulled uh, like down, like he was down in the chair, like putting his feet up. I thought at one point he might just come out in pajamas, have some hot cocoa, but uh, that didn't end up happening. It, it closed before that. We got to that point. It was just one of more than 600 camera feeds in the homes of 85 draft prospects. You had 32 head coaches and general managers. Cliff Kingsbury, shout out to his palatial mansion. And then fans and college football coaches as well. So pretty incredible job they did managing all of those feeds over the weekend. And Adele mentioned that they might take some of those aspects forward and incorporate them into future drafts. 
It led us, though, to the Seahawks' newest draft class. Welcome to Seattle, to all of the new players. They added eight players in the draft from Thursday to Saturday and signed another three undrafted free agents, including a well-known Coug, which we'll get into. But on Thursday, the Seahawks shocking more than a few people by not trading out or back in the first round, instead selecting linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech with their first selection. On Friday, they traded up in the second round to take the 48th overall pick from the Jets. They used it to take defensive end Darrell Taylor out of Tennessee while sending number 59 overall. The Jets ended up taking a wide receiver there, along with the third-round pick 101 uh, to the Jets. The Hawks also traded their other second-round pick to Carolina and netted a fifth-rounder in that mix. Uh, They used the remaining third-rounder, though, on Friday to pick up right guard Damian Lewis out of LSU. That's when I mentioned they had 19 players on the roster, and as I'm just calling it now, it's NFL-LSU because it should just be what the league is named. On Saturday, they added five more selections on offense. Tight end Colby Parkinson, our running back DJ Dallas, defensive end Alton Robinson, and then two wide receivers, Freddie Swain out of Florida and Steven Sullivan out of LSU in the seventh round. It was the second year in a row that the Hawks traded back into the second round to select a wide receiver. They felt that strongly about him. He has a pretty incredible story, as do pretty much all of these guys of some of the things that they've been through and adversity they've overcome to make it to the draft, to make it to Seattle, will probably take a day at a time to break down these prospects. I think every day at 6.30 we'll take a closer look at them because uh, I don't want us to miss out on some of those incredible stories. We also got to hear from them in their conference calls over the weekend. It's not quite the same as Pete and John doing that phone call from the war room and you getting that sound that way, but still pretty cool to hear and see from some of these guys and they made it happen. Um, So we'll discuss each of these draft picks in depth moving ahead for the next probably two weeks at 6.30 a.m. But coming up next on the Blitz, we'll also run through the undrafted free agents, including quarterback Anthony Gordon of Washington State. It's next in the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is the Blitz. Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 27th. Thanks to everyone who tuned in to 710's coverage of the draft. Huge shout out to everyone who participated in that, as well as Taylor Jacobs, our own. I know he put so much work into making that happen. So huge shout out to him and the entire engineering team at 710 for that impressive coverage. We heard from John Schneider and Pete Carroll over the weekend And John Schneider, pretty pleased with the results from this draft. Flat out nailed it. Now, you got to understand, this is like, you know, when you come on, you hear a doctor, right? And he's like, you know, he never really says like, you know, surgery was all right. Okay. So, but um, we feel great. You know, we feel like we did a great job and I'm just super proud and thankful and, you know, feel blessed to be working with everybody that I do, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Pete was, Pete was Right there, keeping keeping things going, and and um, I didn't feel like like I wasn't with him at all. Um, he wasn't necessarily sitting almost on my lap like he does in the draft room, but <laughs> it was it was really close. It was right there. 
Yeah, we got to see everybody's setup, and uh, it was looks like a family affair in the Schneider household. It was awesome, everybody involved. Uh, Pete Carroll, I just saw by himself, which was maybe the only time I think I've ever seen Pete Carroll by himself. I, I didn't like it. I wanted Pete to, to have that energy in that environment. What did Pete make of the first virtual draft, though? I think it's worth mentioning about really the vision right from the top of that, Roger, because we've talked to Roger quite a bit during this process uh, about, you know, how he's going to pull this off and how we're going to do it. And he really gave really sound leadership and strong leadership and had a real vision that it would be a, a could be a great event for the country under the circumstances. And, and everybody's looking for a little uplift right now. And hopefully that it served as that it sure seemed like it. We, we didn't get to watch the broadcast as much, but just the effort by everybody to pull this off and to make it happen. Uh, it's pretty magical. This, this was, this was a big challenge, you know, and, and uh, we've learned a lot, probably evolved quite a bit more than you would, you might think. Um, in, in the way we'll do things in the future and all that. So, uh, but all in all, I'm glad it was a good, successful event. We're really excited about what we've been able to do and, and uh, looking forward to sharing it with you. Ultimately, eight selections for the Seahawks, three on defense, five on offense, and a couple of undrafted free agent signings. This was going to be really interesting because of the lack of not being able to meet with guys or get physicals on certain players, but Quarterback Anthony Gordon, who played at Washington State, a lot of people thinking that a team would at least draft him in the later rounds, but that didn't happen. But good news for Seahawks fans as well, that he uh, apparently signed a deal, an undrafted free agent deal with them. Running back Anthony Jones as well out of Florida International and safety Chris Miller from Baylor. But taking a look at the selections they did make over the weekend, let's start with defense. Uh, three selections there in rounds one, two, and five. Linebacker Jordan Brooks, defensive end Daryl Taylor, and defensive end Alton Robinson. What did Pete have to say about each of these selections and where they might fit in? Uh, Pete Carroll, first of all, saying he's surprised that they could grab Daryl Taylor when they did in the second round, trading up to get him usually when they have traded up. Uh, in these earlier rounds, in the second round, for instance, they've had some pretty good luck there, especially uh, on offense in late in in, a, in the recent years. But they felt strongly about this guy and versatility. Uh, something Pete mentioned as well. He's done a lot of stuff on the edge, so he's a real edge player. Uh, he's done some dropping, but mostly been a rusher. Um, really was effective when when you look at him in his third down rushes when he was really determined. They did a lot of stuff with him defensively. So there was times when you, you could see him, you know, he had to do a lot of a lot of responsibilities, which is really good. Uh, well-versed, really wanted to get a pass rusher if we could. Uh, I, I thought two things I, I would mention that last night when uh, we had Brooks right where we, Johnny had him nailed the whole time that this is where this guy may come to us. We were waiting on it and it worked out great. And then the next shot was to try to get Taylor. And so um, it just worked out excellent. Pete Carroll also comparing the two rushers they picked up, defensive end Alton Robinson of Syracuse as well. Uh, here was Pete Carroll on comparing these two players. Well, they're, they're, they're both kind of classic edge, edge players. You know, they both have a good sense for it. They both have good get off. Um, they both play with good leverage. Uh, they, they, they're not just flashy guys. They have the strength and, the, and kind of the girth in their lower body that to, to power around the edge and to turn the corner like the good guys do. They, they, um, they're both real coordinated. You know, they, they look skillful, and, and, and they, they have technique that's going to carry over for, on, on our level that really clearly, and then we'll add some tricks and all that. So they really fit the bill, you know, and they look like you know, got one guy on one end, one guy on the other end. You could be pretty good over the long haul. It's, it's pretty darn exciting. So, But it does get down to, you know, Curtis, we got to see uh, – 
you know, the, the great pass rushers have a knack, you know, and they have a knack for knowing when to and how to get it done, you know, and, and we'll find that out as we go through it. They both look very productive. Uh, I, I, I think Alton was involved in 18, 19 sacks in the last couple of years as a junior college transfer, you know, big production. And, and, and uh, Daryl has, has been real productive too in the same kind of numbers. So if you look at all the, the four guys that we've added that rush the pass, I think they are about eight, nine sacks a piece. So you put them all together, that'd be great. You know, these guys can come up and, and create, you know, something like 36, 40 sacks combined. Shoot, we will we'll really have, have, have hit the mark. Pete Carroll also saying that they have a bunch of fresh legs on the D-line now, which gives him some confidence moving ahead. On the offensive side of things, five players added, including a wide receiver and technically two tight ends, Stephen Sullivan going in the seventh round, but was drafted as a tight end, Hawks listing him as a wide receiver. So in that regard, two wide receivers, a tight end, a running back, and a guard selected in the third round. Uh, Pete Carroll said that Damian Lewis will compete at right guard immediately. Yeah, he will. Uh, he, he won't take a backseat to anybody. He's going to come in here and battle for it. And so um, we feel really good. That's, that's really part of the reason we, we took him. We want him to come in here and battle to play. And uh, all of that competition will make us better. He's a grown man. I mean, that's, that's, you know, we talked about it. Before. I think we talked about it a couple of days ago, you know, Russ, Russ, Russ grown men in front of him, And that's what this guy is. They already had a pretty stacked tight end room. Although Will Disley still working back from injury and a couple of players still uncertain as to their long-term future, including Luke Wilson, as well as Greg Olson. We know is here for one year providing veteran leadership, uh, Jacob Hollister all also in that mix as well. But John Schneider on adding Colby Parkinson, he also has some great hair too, so we'll fit in right in with Luke. Pretty cool. At, at the Combine, Coach Shaw came in and said hi to Pete and I and uh, was bragging about him, you know, and loves him. And, you know, he's a huge target. He's got great hands. Uh, you know, they, 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 they didn't have plans to play him right away, but he, he was just too good. And, uh, you have big people like that right, running right down the middle of the field, and he's he, he's he's going to be a he's a smart, tough, reliable guy, great guy, just off the charts uh, from a character standpoint. Also, the running back room um, just a year ago looking pretty stacked, but experienced a ton of injuries late in the year. Both Rashad Penny and Chris Carson going down and still working their way back from injury. Carson expected back sooner than Penny, but they added DJ Dallas uh, to the mix out of Miami. And he said that he's ready to compete to earn a spot anywhere on this team. As far as fit goes, um, just honestly trying to get here and, and compete with, with the rest of the guys. Um, just, just whatever, whatever is, is asked upon me, like I'll, I'll do whatever. Honestly, I, I know like Seahawks running backs are, are physical downhill runners, uh, and playmaking, um, uh, they got playmaking ability. So, um, honestly, just trying to get in, compete with the, with the rest of the, uh, pack and, um, I'll, I'll do whatever, whether that's receiver or special teams or, or running back. So, so I'll, I'll do whatever. And I'm, I'm excited for, for this opportunity. Coming up next on the Blitz, we'll dig in to our first newest Seahawk. That would be linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. Where does he fit here in this defense? And could he help out with the pass rush? It's next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. 
Welcome back to the Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, April 27th. Thanks for hanging out this morning. And from here on out, we'll be digging into each of the Seahawks draft picks more in depth at 6.30 a.m. every morning, beginning with today, the first selection they made in this year's draft. So with the 27th pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks select Jordan Brooks, linebacker, Texas Tech. The six foot two forty linebacker from Texas Tech shocked a lot of people when the Seahawks took him in the first round. Some people considering that a reach, and the first time Seattle used its original first round pick since twenty eleven. Yeah, not bad. Seahawks also took him over linebacker Jordan. Uh, sorry, took him over LSU's Patrick Queen, who was rated higher on several draft boards. But uh, the Seahawks feeling very strongly about this one, and we heard that from Pete Carroll and John Schneider after this draft pick really excited to to add a real tough uh, great person you know jordan's the youngest at seven he's got a he's got a twin sister he's he's been through a lot he's overcome a lot he's got a ton of grit uh he's our kind of guy fly 233 pounds and ran 446 and you know just just a great kid he had a great formal interview at the combine, he's just uh, he's just a real passionate kid. F- football football's the deal for this guy. Schneider also mentioning that uh, speed really stood out when it comes to Brooks. Yeah, it was it, it was a combination of those things, absolutely, and, and the fact that you know he was able to transition so quickly, you know, with Matt Wells' staff this year from you know the Utah State group, and uh, you know when you when you're watching that when you're watching that conference, you know there's a lot of speed on the field, there's a lot of area to cover, and this shows up all the time. Uh, also, Pete Carroll mentioning that he's got some versatility. They've seen him do a variety of things. We just uh, found a guy that really could check all the boxes. Uh, we love his attitude. His, like John said, it's just his mentality. Just really, really on it. His versatility, he's played, like John said, he played the uh, first couple of years. And he did his playing time was outside, in, more in space. This last year, they changed schemes and put him really in a position where he was – a lot of the time he was responsible for the quarterback and would chase the quarterback and spy him. And so he, he was up in the line of scrimmage and pressuring. So we've seen him do a variety of, of things. Uh, he also put together a pretty impressive college career, uh, ended his Red Raiders tenure, ranked seventh all time with 367 career tackles, a tackling machine, according to Mel Kuyper Jr. He started 45 of 47 career games. And Pete Carroll mentioned that consistency was huge uh, when when they looked at him. Uh, Pete also saying they've got great players on the inside, but they hope Brooks can compete to see where he can fit in. One of those great players being Bobby Wagner. We've got good players, you know, inside the- that we love. We love Bobby and KJ and what they've done. And we're going to give this guy a chance to see where he can fit in. You know, he'll be, uh, we'll, we'll work the competition so that we can, un, you know, uncover exactly what's best and, um, and really think that he's got a chance to be fighting for playing time right away. Uh, you know, Cody Garden did a great job for us last year. So it'll be a very competitive situation, just like we like. Brooks can play Sam linebacker, according to Pete. He, he could, he could play outside. You know, uh, we played Michael Kendricks at that spot last year. He has a lot of similar traits. Um, behind the line of scrimmage is, is exciting to see a guy that runs that fast and, and comes downhill at you. So it's it's just a, it's a really good situation. We're really not worried about it at all. You know, we love the, the versatility in our players. KJ played inside and outside. You saw Barton play inside and outside. Bobby has been really the fixture inside. Everybody's got flexibility. It, this is just going to be something really fun to figure out. John Schneider on saying they'll kind of figure out where the right spot is for him when the time comes. Where are you playing and all that, I think, just in general. Um, when you look at our division, 
we'll figure it out. You know, that's not, that's not necessarily for today. The guy can fly and he, he's a run and hit guy. He's actually, he's actually a really good rusher from the a gap inside stuff with the a gap too. And, and, uh, He's just a very disruptive football player. We also got to hear from his head coach at Texas Tech, Matt Wells, on what kind of player Jordan Brooks is. Yeah, I can't wait to see who takes Jordan and see his career in the NFL. I think Jordan Brooks has a tremendous upside because I think he has more in him. He really bought into Keith Patterson, our D coordinator, and, and the way he tried to coach him this year. Jordan, I think, matured greatly in terms of how to be a pro and come into the office and, and the meeting room. And I still think Jordan has more in him, but – he can flat run. He can tackle an open space. I think he's going to get a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier, but tremendous work ethic. Um, another really good teammate, kind of the same kind of demeanor, really quiet but not shy. A lot of tremendous leadership by him on the sidelines in between series. And uh, I'm excited to see Jordan Brooks and where he goes. Jordan Brooks also joining Danny and Gallant right after being drafted on Friday to talk about first feeling pretty blessed to be a Seahawk. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to be, uh, you know to be selected by the Seattle Seahawks, man. It's a, it's really a, a dream come true, and uh, man, I just can't wait. He also talks about why he's seemingly such an instinctual player. I think just watching film, um, I gained that trust with my with my coaches last year. You know, watching a lot of film and, and knowing what's going on, um, they allowed me to be a little bit, a little bit more free. And um, as far as going to attack quarterbacks and fitting through those those seams and those gaps, uh, like you were just talking about. So, I think it was my preparation. You know, that really helped me, uh, allowed me to play a little bit more free. Brooks also said his D coordinator Keith Patterson really pushed him to become that next level of player, and it helped him so much. He also talks about his personal story and what he and his family have been through. Uh, Jordan has several brothers and sisters, I believe one of seven. He also has a twin sister and talked about how his mom did so much for them growing up, including a time when they were you know, living with friends at certain points and um, what his mom did to instill grit in him. You know, we went, we went through a lot, you know, as, as far as my childhood and, um, you know, we was in and out of homes, you know, having to move, had to stay with family members, sleeping on the floor. But she always made a way, you know what I'm saying? Never complained, never asked for a handout. And uh, she just showed a lot of grit, you know. She just showed a lot of toughness, mental toughness. You know, I'm sure she had her moments where she just wanted to break down, but she never let her kids see it. And, uh, you know, I think that wore off on all of us. What does he want to do when he gets to Seattle? I'm not sure. I I've been hearing it's a beautiful city, so I guess I just want to I just want to ride around and look at the and look at everything. Honestly, I want to look at the uh, you know the nature, all all the stuff they got around the city. Cause I, I've never been to Seattle. I've never even been close to Seattle, so I'm excited to get up there and just see what it looks like, and then get to interact with you know the people of Seattle as well. That was Jordan Brooks on Danny and Gallant, and that full interview is available for you online at 710sports.com. John Schneider also speaking on what he can improve on when he gets here in Seattle. Jordan Brooks has great ball recognition skills, but could improve in one area. Downhill, sideline to sideline. He's got great ball skills, and he can react. He reacts very quickly. He's got great feet. I think the thing he would tell you is that he needs to, you know, he needs to bring his feet on contact a little bit, a little bit more. Um, and he talked about that in the formal interview as well. 
Pete Carroll saying, as I mentioned, that consistency in college is such a great characteristic and something that they really highlighted when scouting Brooks. And what stood out from meeting him the most? Clear communicator, strong attitude, set us in a comfortable place, knowing that he's going to be a tough guy coming in to, to prove it. Uh, you know, not this big, flowery, big time, big time guy. He was hard nosed, work ethic kind of mentality that we really just, it just, we accepted right off the bat. So came across great. A lot of these players with a chip on their shoulder, and that's just how Pete and John like it. And he mentioned that Brooks, he'll fit right in because he wants to work hard to prove how much he loves football. As you can hear, we can't say enough good stuff about who this kid is and what he's all about. So we're so excited to add a guy like that to our club, you know, because our, our guys look for, for players that uh, demonstrate that it really matters to them. That's what they're really looking for and how they demonstrate that by their hard work and their effort, their sincerity and all of that. Our guys are going to just embrace him immediately He's just because he just comes from the right stuff. He's going to be humble, and he's going to be very respectful too. And uh, that also just adds to the attributes you know, of a young kid coming in. Uh, he'll be very respectful, and, and, and our guys will feel that, and he'll work to prove it. Young and hungry. That uh, is two characteristics that have fit in this program pretty well over the years. Linebacker Jordan Brooks, the Seahawks' first selection in the draft, going 27 overall. Also, just a preview for tomorrow, we'll talk about defensive end Daryl Taylor out of, 20, out of Tennessee, who was taken with the 48th overall pick. Pete Carroll comparing Taylor uh, to, to Brooks, them both being very versatile, and saying both players, he's happy they got them when they did. He's done a lot of stuff on the edge, so he's a real edge player. Uh, he's done some dropping, but mostly he's been a rusher. Um, really was effective when, when you look at him in his third down rushes when he was really determined. They did a lot of stuff with him defensively, so there was times when you, you could see him, you know, he had to do a lot of, a lot of responsibilities, which was really good. Uh, well-versed, really wanted to get a pass rusher if we could. Uh, I, I thought two things I, I would mention. that Last night when uh, we had Brooks right where we – Johnny had him nailed the whole time that this is where this guy may come to us. We were waiting on it, and it worked out great. And then the next shot was to try to get Taylor, and so – Um, It just worked out excellent. Coming up next on The Blitz, it's time for the hot list. The latest two episodes of The Last Dance are in the books. We got a closer look at Dennis Rodman and then also Phil Jackson, the coach who held all of it together and just might have been the most player-friendly coach out there, at least maybe one of the most empathetic ones. And his relationship with Dennis Rodman highlighted that. It's next in the hot list right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 645. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! Well, there were a lot of great things come out of this draft and pretty impressive that they made it happen considering everything going on in the world right now and the concerns over the COVID pandemic. Pete Carroll did mention that he thought some of the emotional connection was lost during this draft. We're used to seeing Pete, you know, on those phone calls, making uh, those calls directly to the players. And while those still happen, they didn't capture the same energy level because you didn't have the entire room of people in that war room, cheering and excited for the prospects. So Pete mentioning that yesterday. Hey, Johnny, the one thing about this is I think it's really fascinating to me is that we've been recognizing it as we go through the uh, uh, our Zoom 
staff meetings, you know, is that there, there's a there's an emotional connection that doesn't it doesn't happen through Zoom. You know, there's a there's that whole life connection, all of those skills that we develop that are not available to us right now. And it feels different, you know, and um, as much as like the draft and here goes Roger making his call and the crowd's not cheering and, the, you know, and he's not hugging the kids up the same way. You know, there's a different, we're in a different mode of communicating right now. And uh, it, it's, 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 it's different, unique. You can see it and we need to figure it out and try to maximize it. Relationships like you talk, they're, they're so important to us and, and, but it's relationships on the, of a different nature. You know, it's, we're, we're talking through zoom and all that. So fascinating time. We'll see where it takes us. Schneider, yes, mentioning that relationships really impacted this draft. You know, like in any industry, really, I mean, relationship-based business, right? I mean, I think that's why Pete and I have a really cool mix. I mean, we didn't know each other before we came together and have completely different, I don't know, trees or communication you know, systems that we've been around and, and uh, uh, people that we know and and. It's a, it's a, it's, it feels like a really great mix. And, you know, I, I, I think that our, I, I, I'm, I'm very proud of our, our, our scouts and our personnel guys and, and the coaches and, and, and how they, uh, interact with all their, um, their friends and, and, uh, communicate to try to get as much information as we possibly can. Pete Carroll said he has not heard from the league when players will be allowed on the field. I, like John said, I think to you guys the other night that they have really been, Closed-lipped about that because I don't, I don't know that they know yet, and so they're just waiting to get through the draft, and then we'll kind of re- reestablish where we are. Um, I would imagine the next couple of weeks we would we'll, we'll get a lot more information about that, but but who knows? You know, we don't know. Somebody said we're, this is pandemic time, so we're in a whole new ballgame right now. So we gotta wait and see. Pete mentioning at rookie minicamp, it'll be all online. Rookie minicamp has already been made. Uh, we're gonna have it. It's gonna be a virtual one though. You know, so it's. So that's that's kind of our first step. That's a couple of weeks from now, and and uh, way we go. The off season is, is begins Monday, and uh, our guys are all they they've got their format to work out, and we'll be starting the in classroom stuff with them, of course. But um, they've got a lot has to be done on their own. That responsibility will just be an unprecedented time. And Pete Carroll mentioning that, saying it's going to be a challenge to get players ready to play football with the current quarantine. But hey, if anyone can do it, I believe in Pete Carroll there, inspiring people uh, in this regard. You know, what reminded me a lot of Pete Carroll is watching Phil Jackson on The Last Dance yesterday and the similarities that these two coaches have in how empathetic they are for players and allowing players to be themselves or wanting players to be their individual selves. And you really saw that in episode four yesterday between Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman, who is, you know, a lot of people didn't want to work with him or thought that his reputation as, quote, bad boy, uh, deterred them from wanting to do that. But Phil, not daunted by that prospect and finding common ground very quickly on with Rodman when he came to Chicago, which was pretty cool to see. Also on the last dance yesterday, we uh, heard from Michael Jordan on their disdain. Let's just say it that way for the bad boys a team up in Detroit, which Rodman was a part of at one point. And uh, the Jordan and the Bulls losing to the Pistons in five games in the Eastern Conference semifinals in 1988, six games in 1989, and in seven games in the conference finals in 1990. Along the way, the Pistons implemented the Jordan rules and uh, ended up pretty much 
heating up. And uh, I don't know. I guess that's the word. Yeah, Michael Jordan on the court. They said they knew he was the greatest player and they were going to use whatever means possible to keep him from getting airborne, getting in the air and keep him on the ground to limit it. Jordan said they made it personal. They beat the uh, heck out of him. That's not exactly what he said, but that this disdain for this team remains in place till this day. And especially their decision uh, in the 1991 conference finals to walk off the court before the clock was even up. 7.9 seconds remaining. The Bulls routing the Pistons at this point, And that they walked off the court without shaking the Bulls players' hands or congratulating them on advancing. And you heard from Michael Jordan yesterday that he thought that was a terrible, unclassy move. And he still maintains that to this day. Sad story, Tulane basketball player Tashawn Hightower arrested Saturday and charged with murder in connection with a homicide in Stockbridge, Georgia that happened earlier this month. He was Tulane's leading scorer in this past season, was being held in the Henry County Jail without bail on Sunday. He's charged with felony murder, aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during the commission of a felony, and battery. He was scheduled to appear in court Sunday morning. Tulane announced Sunday afternoon that he had been dismissed from the team following his arrest. He was a six point six foot five, excuse me, junior at Tulane last season, averaged fifteen point nine points and four point six rebounds, and uh, announced his intention, I believe, to enter the NBA draft coming up with still one season of eligibility remaining. Well. There's some interesting moments in the draft of the weekend, to say the least, and one of them came in the first round when the Packers decided to select quarterback Jordan Love, hopping the Seahawks to do it, moving up, and a deal falling through with the Seahawks to trade back because of this deal. But Packers GM Bryant Gutekunst on the long-term plan for Jordan Love, because remember, got someone named Aaron Rodgers on that roster as well. He has to work and he has to do that. For him, that was a for us to make us believe that he can be a starting quarterback on national football. He drafted him in the first round. So I think he has that kind of talent. Um, but that that doesn't that's not enough in the national football league. You got to work. You got to earn it. You got to you got to become a good player, a good enough player. And again, we we have one of the best quarterbacks that ever lights him up. And we're certainly we're shooting for championships. Uh, so as long as he's here, and we, we expect him to be here for quite a while. Could this create some uh, awkward tension between? Aaron Rodgers and the rest of the team slash front office between Rodgers and Jordan Love. Uh, It's the same situation that Rodgers himself walked into with Brett Favre on the roster many years ago. And Matt LaFleur mentioned that he hadn't talked to Aaron about it, at least the next day afterwards. Uh, Also, he was asked, did you anticipate maybe a difficult balancing act happening with Aaron Rodgers? I don't think so. I think Aaron's a pro. I, I can't speak enough about his leadership, his his value, his importance to this football team. And he is the one that, that, that leads us out there. And um, I know he's going to be a great mentor. And I'm just, you know, I'm excited to get back to work with all these guys. Also talked about uh, Aaron being one of the best quarterbacks he's been around, according to Matt LaFleur. You know how this, this league works, man. We, we are so, and I know you guys get tired of me saying this, it's about getting better each and every day, and we're going to take it week to week. But in my mind, I think Aaron is by far the best quarterback I've ever been around. And you could argue, I think he's, I think he's the best ever play the game. So I hope he can play until he decides he doesn't want to play anymore. 
Yeah, you just you hate to see it as a Seahawks fan. Mm. Speaking of quarterbacks, the New Orleans Saints possibly closing in on a deal with quarterback Jameis Winston, but also adding or uh, doubling down in their investment in current backup Taysom Hill. Saints and Hill agreed to a two-year deal, which will take the place of the one-year, just over $4.6 million tender they had previously offered him as a restricted free agent. The deal now worth $21 million, including $16 million fully guaranteed at signing, plus $1 million more in performance incentives, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Uh, Taysom Hill speaking about how he has no problem being back up to Drew Brees. I told him this at the end of the season, that, man, I, I hope that you come back. It's better for the NFL if if you're playing and starting for the New Orleans Saints. And I've always felt that way. And so if he wants to come back and play in 2021, I am all for it. I'm his biggest fan. As far as what my role is, I think that this contract just secured an opportunity to be that guy if Drew decides to retire. He also talked about why the two-year deal I think this contract creates a clear trajectory and opportunity for me to to compete and to be the guy in New Orleans in 2020 if Drew decides to be done. If he's not, then we'll figure out another contract or my role will continue to be the way that it is. And so as we looked at it, this was a way to prevent me to get to free agency next year. And it created some structure for both me and my families, as well as organization. You heard at times that he wanted to be a, uh, a franchise QB somewhere, that he wanted to be the starter. But I guess, you know, a two-year deal worth uh, $21 million might might change your tune a little bit. Uh, but Taysom Hill staying in New Orleans, at least for foreseeable future, the, the recent future. Over the weekend, the Seahawks selected eight picks in this year's NFL draft. Three defensive and five on the offensive side of the ball. They also came to terms with some undrafted free agents, including Washington State quarterback Anthony Gordon, running back Anthony Jones, and safety Chris Miller. But uh, for their selections in this draft, taking linebacker Jordan Brooks in the first, defensive end Daryl Taylor in the second, Damian Lewis, the right guard out of LSU in the third, just the first of their two LSU players selected. The other would be in the seventh round where they traded back in for the second consecutive year to grab wide receiver Stephen Sullivan out of LSU. And he's got a pretty incredible story that we'll dig in into in, co- in coming days. But tight end Colby Robinson, one of two fourth round picks taken by the Seahawks. The other being running back DJ Dallas. I just love his name. He's going to fit right in here. We've got a lot of you know, KJ's, DJ's, although he spells it out, DJ, that's still still cool. Another pass rusher potentially in the fifth round defensive end, Alton Robinson out of Syracuse, as well as wide receiver Freddie Swan out of Florida. So rounding out their class this year. Welcome to Seattle, everybody. Seahawks also had 19 offensive linemen on their roster over the weekend, which is why the news that they had released Two favorites, Justin Britt, along with right guard DJ Fluker over the weekend, didn't come as a total shock, and yet they'll be missed, especially Big Fluke. This was him thanking the team in the 12s. Hi to us. I'm DJ Fluker. I just, I'm pretty sure you all have heard the news. I want to thank John and Pete for showing me much respect during this time. I want to thank my family and my team for supporting me, and that's lead to us. I definitely will see you around. That's a wrap for the hot list in the entire Blitz at 6 hour. We'll miss you, Fluke. Danny Glock coming your way right now here on 710 ESPN Seattle.